Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues his series entitled, I Am. This week, we look at the statement that Jesus makes, I am the light of the world. Things always become clear when we bring them into the light. Brandon poses the question, are you stumbling in the darkness or living in the light of God's grace? What's up, church? How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Yeah. It's going to be awesome today. Hey, I'm so excited about continuing this series called I Am. Uh, Today we're going to continue looking at the statement that Jesus makes in um, John chapter 8 verse 12, but then he really talks about it a lot in John chapter 9, in which Jesus tells us that he is the light of the world, and and he's making this claim uh, to deity uh, that that he is the light of the world. And and i got to stop for just a second, man. You guys look awesome today, by the way. I mean, you guys look better, I think, than I've ever seen you look before. Never mind, never mind. Let me tell you that back. Um, uh, seriously, guys, uh, light makes a difference, doesn't it? And we're looking at Jesus being the light of the world, and light definitely makes a difference. Why? It helps us see clearly, doesn't it? It helps us see people for, for who they are. It helps us to see um, just, just in general. Um, even walking out here th- today, uh, this morning, uh, with the lights off, it was a little scary. I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to step on. I was afraid I might step on one of these pedal boards, which I have no idea how much those things cost, and I would have been killed by one of our worship leaders in skinny jeans and a v-neck shirt. So it would have been horrible um, because they would have been mad. And, and so I'm glad I didn't step on anything. But light gives us clarity. It allows us to see clearly. It, 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 it makes such a huge difference in our lives. And light means a lot to us. I know it does at my house. I, I really think that, that I could hire somebody full-time to follow my kids around and turn lights off. If you ever follow that battle, I'm like, one day, maybe before Jesus comes back, perhaps my children will remember to turn the lights off when they leave a room, I, I come home and I'm like just walking through the house, cutting off lights. Why? Light. We love the light, man. We love to be able to see where we're going. And the truth of the matter is that for most of us sitting in here today, and I, and I believe that you, that, that 99.9% of you would agree with this. The other 0.1% would be lying. Um, that, that you probably made the biggest mistakes of your life in times you weren't seeing clearly, didn't you? The biggest mistakes of your life, and if you looked at your spouse just then, that is wrong. You should not do that in church. When, when you made the biggest mistakes of your life, most of the, the, the biggest mistakes you made were when you just simply weren't seeing clearly. You, you know, things were not clear to you, and you made bad decisions. I mean, I've done that in my own life. Some of the, the biggest mistakes I've made were made during times when I was just literally walking in darkness. I mean, obviously it wasn't physically dark, but in my, my spirit, in my life, there was just a darkness that seemed to hang over my life where, where I couldn't see clearly to make decisions. Even at the time when, when I was coming through college, man, for many of us, those were the darkest times of our lives when we just weren't seeing clearly, making stupid decisions, making poor decisions that cause us to have bad consequences. And it's so funny to me how people get in bad consequences because of stupid decisions they made. And they're like, God, how could you do this to me? And we're the ones that made the decisions, right? And so we get into these places where the biggest mistakes we made were done because we weren't seeing clearly. I went all through college, made a lot of stupid decisions. Even after I got married, making stupid decisions. And why was I making those decisions? Why do we make stupid decisions? I mean, I, I'm making de- I was making decisions even after I got married that could have cost me everything, that could have cost me my wife, that could have cost me the three children I have now, that could have cost me everything that means the most to me. And I was making stupid decisions. And why... Why is it that we do that? Why is it that we make poor decisions 
I believe it's this. I believe that so many times our spiritual blindness has darkened our eternal perspective, right? Our, Our spiritual blindness has darkened our eternal perspective. So we make stupid decisions. We make decisions that are, are, are so temporary in nature. If we think we can't make them, if we don't do this or we don't do that, the world is coming to an end. And in reality, if we have an eternal perspective where we're looking and realizing there's something bigger than this for me, there's something beyond this decision that, that if, if, if I'll do the right thing, there's something bigger on the other side. See, because of our spiritual blindness, we often lose our eternal perspective. And the problem with that is this, that we can't make enlightened decisions walking in darkness. We can't make enlightened decisions walking in darkness. When we're walking in darkness, we're just what? We're just stumbling along. And so many of us in different areas of our life right now are walking in darkness. And one of the ways we do that is just through denial. We know good and well there are things in our life that we need to change. We need to adjust. We need to make a decision to go another direction. And yet we refuse to allow the light of God to shine on those areas. For some of us, it's, it's even having a relationship with God through Jesus. We know we don't have that. We know we need that. And for a while, God has been knocking on the door of our heart, trying to draw us to him, and we just keep resisting what God is trying to do, him trying to draw us to the light. And we make poor, poor decisions when we're walking in darkness. I know for me, even a daily thing of, of, of making a choice to live in the light of making a choice to see clearly with an eternal perspective. There are days, man, when things happen. And even in ministry, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. That's it. They they can have it. Billy, you're preaching. John, you're in charge. Brian, good luck with everything else. I'm out. See ya. Why would I make that decision? Because I know that that would be disobedient to what God has called me to do. I know that it's not the right decision to make. Why would I sacrifice the calling that God's placed on my life, the dream that God's placed in my heart, the things that I know God's called me to do for for this momentary moment of darkness where I feel this weight on my shoulders. Why would I do that? Because my eternal perspective has been clouded. And I, I can't make enlightened decisions when I'm walking in darkness. It's impossible. And so, so many of us live in this place where, man, we're making these decisions not based off of the spiritual truth and the spiritual life of who Jesus is, but simply based off of what we're feeling at that moment, what we're feeling at the time. And my prayer today is that our eyes would be open, literally like this blind man in John chapter 9, that for many of us, our eyes would be open to the truth of who God is, to the truth of who Jesus is, and the fact that we don't have to walk in darkness. If we're honest this morning, I, I, I believe most of us would say that there is some area of our life that's dark. I believe that there's probably every one of us in here. There is something right now that if you thought about it, if we were to just go, okay, magically, we have figured out every person in this room right now. And here's the cool thing. We're going to put everything that you don't want us to know about you up on the screen. One at a time. And we're going to ask you to come forward and and you can stand right here. And we're going to put it up right above your head. Like what it is that you would want no one to know. Because it's dark. And it's not good. And and how many, every person in here, there's something that we know the light of God needs to shine on, isn't there? Something that we need to allow God to have his way with. Some of us right now are in a relationship 
not because we, God's called us to that, not because of what we know we should be doing. We're in that relationship simply because we're in a moment of our life that we're not seeing clearly. And so we're making poor decisions based on the fact that our eternal perspective has been darkened. Some people right now, you're, you're, you're contemplating adultery or you're contemplating divorce. And, and here's the thing, or maybe both. Why? Because your eternal perspective has been darkened. And the light of Christ isn't shining somewhere on your life. You know what puts back marriages? Jesus. You know what makes a marriage work? Jesus. Because you know what Jesus teaches us? He teaches us to be selfless. He teaches us to love others more than ourselves. And I guarantee you that 99% of marital problems are because both people are living selfishly. And yet here, here's the thing. God calls us into the light where we can live in his grace and his mercy, where we can become more like Christ so that our marriage changes, our relationships change. Listen, here's the thing I know. There are people in this room right now who you're in such darkness right now, you've even thought of taking your own life. The thought has crossed your mind. Would it not be easier for me just to end this? To not have the headache? To not have the problems? And the thoughts actually cross your mind. It'd just be easier if I just didn't exist. And can I tell you this? That, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. It's a lie. And what's happened is our eternal perspective. It's been darkened by our spiritual blindness. And my prayer for you today is that your eyes would be open, that you would realize God has a future for you, that he's given you hope because of Christ, and that there's nothing that can stand between you and him and the light that he gives. Everybody in here, I guarantee you, represents some decision that's being made day after day after day that you know the light of God needs to shine upon. We live in a dark world, and it's easy for us to get distracted, isn't it? When we're in the world, and we're trying to live in the world, but not of it, we're trying to shine the light of Christ and, and be the light of the world. It's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy because it's a dark world. It is dark. And, and the truth of the matter, you don't have to go further than the news, man. It's like they never talk about good stuff, right? It's all the bad junk in the world. We live in a dark world. And it's easy for us to get to a place where we're distracted by the darkness and we lose sight of the light. But the good news is this. The same God that spoke light into darkness is the same God that will speak light into your heart. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us exactly that. That God who said to let light shine from darkness has made his light shine in our hearts And he did this so that we could see his glory in the face of Jesus. I've been thinking about that scripture all week long. That the God who spoke light into darkness, anybody in here that can do that? Like when the lights were off, you could have gone, let there be light. And the lights just, and you just messed up our whole service that we had planned, like for the lights to be off. Let there be light. No. The closest thing we've ever had to that is the clapper. Y'all remember the clapper? It came out in the 90s. Everybody's like, light. 
I think it was the same lady that did the I've fallen and I can't get up commercial. So she stumbled and lights and then she pushed the button and she was saved. And so, so that, but we, we can't do that, can we? But the God who spoke light into the universe said, I'm going to speak light into your heart. I'm going to illuminate your heart. And when we begin to look at Jesus, we begin to look at this physical miracle that, 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 that this blind man experienced. I believe it speaks so much to our spiritual nature. When we begin to look at the life of Christ, so much of what he came to do was to illuminate the world. To teach us who God is. To teach us who we are. And I want to talk to you today real quick about some things that Jesus came to illuminate. That he came and he came into the world. Hebrews 1.3 says that the express image of God. What did he come to do? He came to illuminate. And the first thing I want you to see today. The first thing I want you to see is, is in verse uh, 3. John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus is, is coming and they ask him, Jesus, who, who, whose uh, sin was it that caused this man to be blind, his parents or him? And he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. It happened so then the work of God could be displayed in his life. He said, it's not, it's not because of his sin or his parents' sin. This happened so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. Because this man went from blindness to seeing. And the first thing we've got to realize is this, that every person in this room, every person on the face of the earth was born spiritually blind. It's all throughout scripture. You and I were born spiritually blind. Just as this man was born physically blind, you and I were born spiritually blind. We were born in sin. We were, we were born in a world that was, had fallen, that, that sin runs rapidly. And so because of that, our condition, our condition is illuminated. As we begin to see Jesus come onto the scene, we begin to realize, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. We begin to realize that our condition with God, our, our position with God, is that we've sinned. We've fallen short of his glory. We begin to look at who Jesus was and we begin to look at who we are. We realize we're sinners. Every one of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we've all sinned. And Jesus begins to bring clarity to our nature, to our condition. And here's the truth of the matter. Everybody in here today has a dark side, don't you? Yeah, we all do. It's kind of like Star Wars. It's like, come over to the dark side. And so sometimes you're like, man, I'm really good. And then sometimes you're like, man, I must have a demon, right? Because we all have a dark side. Each one of us, there are things in our life that on this side, man, maybe it's the light of God, but then there are things that we try to tuck away and we try to keep hidden from the world because it's dark and it's dirty and it's nasty. And Jesus came to expose that. To say, you need to see the true nature of who you are and see the true position that you hold because you have been separated from God because of your sin nature. Listen, God is holy, we are not. And in our sin nature, in our fallen state, in our current position apart from Christ, we cannot come into the presence of God. We can't. Second thing I want you to see in verse 4, listen to this. 
It says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus comes to do the work of the one who sent him. What was it? It was to illuminate. It was to shine forth the glory of God. It was so that people could see the true nature of God. The second thing I really want you to understand is that Jesus illuminates or brings clarity to the true nature of who God is. So the first one is he brings clarity to the nature of who we are. The second one is he brings clarity to the nature of who he is, of who God is. So when we look at Jesus, we can see God. When we look at Jesus, we can see who he is. He came to do that work, to glorify him, not just to stand up. I mean, because listen, God could have done this. He could have come and he could have been like, y'all a bunch of little sinners. All going to hell. Look at you. Ah, I mean, he could have done that. But he came to, to glorify God, to show the true nature of God. So when we look at Jesus, we see the true nature of God. The sad thing is how much our mentality of God has been shaped by our church experience that quite frankly, like us, falls so short of the glory of who God is. It's been shaped by religion and religiosity. It's just this thing where we've got in our mind who God is based off of our encounter with people who claim to be Christians. What I would tell you, if you want to have a real encounter with God, go to his word and see who Jesus is. That's who God is. It's It's Jesus. So we can look at God, we can look at Jesus and see God. We look into the face of Christ and we behold the glory of God. You ever like recognize somebody's true nature like really quickly? Like some people you have to be around for a while and then after a little bit you go like, wow, didn't realize it about them. But then some people it's just quick, man. You're like, whoa. The other day I was sitting in a waiting room. I'm sitting there, and this little girl, she must have been like seven, eight years old. She's like, Mommy, Mommy, can I play with your um, iPad? And I'm like, can I play with your iPad? And, 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 and the mom was like, well, we can play a game together. And so at first I'm like, selfish. She's like, you're not playing it, but we can play it together. And so then we're sitting there, and I'm kind of listening to this conversation, and all of a sudden the mom, she's got the thing, and the little girl, she's trying to reach over and play it, and she's like, don't you have any patience? I'm like, dang. I'm like, if that's not the pot calling the kettle, but you know, I'm like, look at this, and I'm like, that lady reminds me of me. You know, I'm like, wow, no patience. She's like, stop, stop. I was like, man, there's selfishness and impatience. It was easy to recognize. It was easy to recognize that when we look at Jesus, we look at who he is, we look at his life, it's easy to recognize God, where it's easy to recognize his character, it's easy to recognize his nature. But we've got to look to Jesus to see who God is. And Jesus came to illuminate who Jesus, who God is, so that we could see clearly, so that our eyes would be opened, so we wouldn't walk through life in darkness, we would walk in the light of who God really is. So many of us in here today have this perception of God that he's some old man sitting in like a rocking chair up in heaven with a big long beard and a lightning bolt in his hand waiting for you to mess up so that he can hit you in the back of the head with it and kill you. And that's your, your, your picture of God, of who God is. And let me say this, if he wanted to kill you because of doing something wrong, he would have done that a long time ago, Right? We've all screwed up. We said it earlier. We've all made mistakes. We've all made stupid decisions. If God wanted to kill us, he would have done it a long time ago. But God wanted us to be clear 
on who he is. He wanted us to be clear on who Jesus is. And when we look to Jesus, we see the reality of who God is. A loving God who is merciful, who is gracious, who loves us, and who is willing to do anything to bring us back to himself. So we see clearly who God is. The third thing that he does, Jesus illuminates the just penalty for our sins. Jesus said in there, listen, there's coming a time of darkness when no one can work. When the light of the world is taken away and no one can work. And in that statement, he's referring to the cross. So we've seen that, that the, our nature's been revealed. We see that God's nature's been revealed. And there's such a sharp divide between those two that we actually, in Jesus, get to see what the just penalty for our sin is. And when Jesus is speaking of the darkness, he's not talking about going to heaven and no longer walking on the earth. We still have his light. We still have the light of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I are called to be the light of the world as he works through us. He's talking about the moment when the sin was put on us or on him and he took our sin sin and he was separated from the father and there was a moment of darkness that came even the earth responded to it the sun went black it was actually dark on the earth when Jesus took our sin upon his body and we see in that moment of the cross and we see in that moment the wrath of God that was poured out on Jesus we see the just penalty for our sin that's scary. When I was little, I got like all shaky. I, like, I guess call it the heebie-jeebies or whatever. You know, I just got when, when my dad was angry, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get it. And all my dad had to do is cock his jaw to the side and look at me out of the corner of his eye and I'd do anything. Because I didn't want the wrath to fall on me. My dad didn't like beat me and stuff. But I'm just saying, like, I knew that if he had to, like the belt was coming off, it was not going to be a good day. And and I think about that, but then I think about the wrath of a holy, perfect God. And, and, And the reality of my sin needing to be punished. The fact that God is also just and he has to perform justice on sin or he's no longer who he is. He's no longer just and righteous if he allows evil to continue to exist. It's gotta be punished. It's got to be dealt with. It's got to be done away with. So in Christ, the just punishment for our sin is illuminated. And we're able to see what we really deserve. What we ought to get. Then you go on down in verses 6 and 7. Jesus said, well, I'm in the world. I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground. Made some mud with saliva. That saliva, that, that word just sounds nasty, doesn't it? And, and if you're going to spit on the ground and rub it on somebody's eyes, you better be able to deliver. You know what I'm saying? Or this guy was going to be ticked off. And so Jesus, he made mud with his saliva. Put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. That's how Hispanic Jews say it, is Siloam. Because everything I say in Greek and Hebrew sounds Hispanic. So there you go. (laughs) This word means sent. So the the man went and washed. And listen, and he came home seeing. So the man went and washed. And he came home seeing. Seeing clearly 
The fourth thing I want you to understand that Jesus illuminates is he illuminates God's grace. He illuminates God's grace. And so we've seen our nature. We've seen the nature of God, all of this in Jesus because he's illuminated it. We've seen the just penalty for what we ought to get. And now because of Jesus, because of the cross, because Jesus took the wrath of God that we deserved on himself, the justice of God for every sin ever committed upon himself, you and I are able to be justified. We're able to be forgiven. Our sin is able to be wiped away. Not just, not just like saying it's okay, able to be gone. Taken up, lifted off. Isn't that awesome? That God actually took it and he said, you know what? That is on you and I'm going to destroy that. So let me put that on my son. Let me place it on him. And now, now let me punish him. That's grace. God's grace is this, that in destroying evil, he didn't destroy you and I. He didn't have to destroy it. That is, that is amazing. And I always hear people say this. Well, I don't understand. If God's so good and he's so big and he's so powerful, why doesn't he just do away with evil? You know why? Because he'd have to do away with you. He'd have to do away with you. He'd have to do away with me. Because the Bible is very clear that you and I are evil. You and I are guilty. The Bible says that none are righteous. Not even one. The none actually pursue him, not one. And so we're all guilty. And on the cross, in Jesus, we see illuminated very, very clearly the grace of God. And we're able to recognize his mercy and his love on our lives. I mean, come on, seriously, think about that. We're so far from God. God is here. We're here. Man, that, that, that is a huge disparity. It is a huge gap. And our sin had to be punished, and yet we look at the cross and we see the grace of Jesus. And let me ask you this. Why would we not want to come to a God like that? Why would we think it'll be better if I hide this? It'll be better if I just tuck this away, if I, if I tuck this feeling, this lust, this pornography, if I tuck this anger, if I tuck this unforgiveness away, if I just tuck it over here, it'll be better. When we see the grace of God on the cross and we see the reality of who God is on the cross and, and we, we ought to know I can bring this to him. I need to let him shine his light, to shed his light upon this, that it can bring healing and wholeness. I don't have to hide from him. But through Jesus, I can come boldly before his throne of grace. And I can be healed. I think the problem is so many of us, we don't really want to be healed. Because honestly, we love our sin more than we love God. Honestly, we'd rather have the sin than have God. But what I would say is that in light of his grace poured out on us, the reasonable response to God's grace is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice and to serve him, to love him, to want to become like him, to want to walk in his light, to see clearly life, true life, the only way to true life in Christ and in God, that we don't make stupid decisions that take us away from God, but we recognize in Jesus, 
his illuminated grace. We see in the face of Christ the glory of God and we're drawn to him, to live for him, to put away anything that would hinder us from pursuing him so that we can walk in his light. The fifth thing I tell you is that Jesus illuminates the power of God over darkness. Isn't this the whole story in in, in John chapter 9? It's the whole story, really. I mean, the guy's walking in darkness. He cannot see. And the story is about Jesus and his power to overcome darkness, to be able to allow us to see clearly. You know what that is? That's the resurrection. It's the fact that Jesus took all the sin on him. He was buried. He, He died. And yet on the third day, God said, come on out. And the light of God steps out. And we see in that moment that sin was done away with, that darkness is gone, and that in Jesus, God has overcome darkness. It's as if you walk into a room and turn the light switch on. Darkness cannot stand in light, nor can Satan stand before Christ. That ought to excite us. Seriously, I mean, that ought to get us excited because it means your darkness can't overcome the power of God. Our evil can't overcome the goodness of Jesus. And so we see very, very clearly that God illuminates in Christ his power over darkness. We see it in Jesus. That when he walked out of the tomb, darkness was done away with. Satan's defeated. Sin has no power. Death has no power. Because we've been set free in Christ. And Jesus illuminates that, the power of God over sin and death so that you and I can have life, that you and I can walk in the light, that God can illuminate our hearts, that death will not have the final say because the final say has already been had through Jesus. It's a powerful thing. Those of you who know, who've walked into the light of Christ, who've been drawn to that light and you've walked in it and you've, you've experienced it, you know it is a powerful thing. I, I know this with all my heart because I've seen it happen in some of you. I've seen it happen in my own life that God still changes hearts. That God still does miracles. That God still takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Why? Because God has overcome darkness and Jesus illuminates that. So that you and I are able to see clearly, clearly the power of God and gain an eternal perspective that sin can't hold us down. Not now and not in the future. Because God has set us free from the power of sin and death. The last one is this. This is out of chapter, just an entire chapter 9. That Jesus illuminates the potential of redeemed humanity. He, he illuminates the potential of redeemed humanity. Yeah, you know, we always hear people say this, like, humanity is so bad. Like, people are going to hell in a handbasket. Like, you know, humanity is just terrible. Look at it. It's just going downhill, downhill, downhill. And we hear that all the time. But here's the truth. Humanity isn't bad. Fallen humanity is bad. But redeemed humanity has the same potential to to bring the light of God into a dark world as Jesus did. That you and I can bring 
light into darkness because of the redemption of Christ. And Jesus shows us what true humanity was supposed to be like. And he gives us this hope that because of the power of God, you and I are able to come to this place of walking in what's called a sanctified life, a life in which God has taken what was old, what was dead, what what was not honoring to him. And he's done a work in our heart and in our life in such a way that you and I become vessels of honor for him, that he begins to put his spirit in us and change our hearts so that our lives actually bring him glory. That is the potential of redeemed humanity. That you and I could bring him glory. My question is, whose glory are we living for? Do we, do, we even, do we even care if our life brings God glory? Do we even care that, that people see our good works and they praise him? Isn't it amazing that people can look at us and other people see God? That's, that's insane. But that the light of God can shine in our hearts and leave our lives in such a state that people see a reflection of God in us. And Jesus illuminated the fact that you and I, you and I, as redeemed humanity, can bring the light of God into this world. My challenge to you today is that you and I would step up to that and that we would yield ourselves to God and we become a people who walk in the light of Jesus. That other folks would see that light, that they would praise him. That we would not be satisfied with mediocre, half-hearted religion. But that we would pursue the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That we'd be done with, with playing these little games that make us feel better. That make us just like, you know, I mean, how many of us walked in here today pursuing the light of Christ or pursuing something that was going to make us feel better for something we did last night? I would say we need to pursue him for who he is. We need to pursue him because our call on our lives today is to honor him, to live for him. So Jesus, he illuminates all these things. He illuminates our our true nature, that we're sinners, that we're separated from God. That our position with God is that we are eternally separated. He illuminates the person of who God is. He shows us very clearly who God is, his nature, his character. He doesn't want us to be misled or confused. His nature is good. He created everything and called it what? Good. He shows us very clearly what our sin deserves, the punishment that we should have because of our sin, that we should be eternally separated from him, that the wrath of God would be poured out on our lives because we have fallen short of his glory. And as a just and holy and righteous God, he's got to do the just and right thing. And that is the punishment of evil. And yet when we come to God. We come to Jesus. We see very clearly an illumination of God's grace. That we see the grace of God. We see, we see the, the cross and, and immediately we recognize the grace of God as Jesus took what we deserve. And then we come to a place where the power of God is illuminated through Christ. And we see that Jesus has overcome darkness. He's overcome sin. He's overcome death. And we know that we can walk in light. There's no, listen, your marriage, your life, your, your, your children, your, your job, there is nothing in the world 
that the light of Christ cannot penetrate. Nothing. Because Jesus overcame the darkness. We're able to have life, the light of God because of that. And the last one is that Jesus illuminated the potential of redeemed humanity when we walk in the life. My question right now to you is, does your life reflect the glory of God? Does it reflect the glory of who Jesus is? When I was little, a lot like my kids, we, we love to play hide and seek. And I can remember very vividly um, playing hide and go seek with, with my cousins. And, and they like to play at night. I was somewhat of a scary child. And so it liked the, the outside in the dark, away from the light. I don't know about that. I'd just rather be found. You know what I'm saying? I'd just rather hide in the light and be like, you got me. I mean, because I didn't really want to be crawling around in the dark. I, was, I hate snakes. I'm like, there's probably a snake over there. You know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm right here, you know, and just try to outrun them, which was not good either because I'm slow as molasses. But, but, you know, I'm like, I'll just try to outrun them. I'm in the light here, and then here I am, guys. But you know what would happen a lot of times, and, and I believe this is where a lot of us find ourselves spiritually. Um, a lot of times I would hide just outside of the light. You know what I'm saying? I get over there behind a tree or behind a bush, but, but I was close enough to the light that if I got scared, I could just step over in it and be like, okay, I'm, I'm safe. I'm secure. And, and I see a lot of people in their faith that are that way. Rather than just coming into the light and saying, here I am, God. The good, the bad, the ugly. You transform me and you use me. That your power would overcome the darkness in me. So many of us in our faith life are standing over in the shadows And rather than walking out into the light and allowing God to recreate us and make us whole, we would just be satisfied to stand close enough that if something really bad happens, maybe something goes wrong, maybe I get frightened, I can always step back into the light. Some of us, our whole experience with God has been that way that we just stand over on the side and we're like, maybe maybe one day I'll step over into the light. There are other people in here today that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've been running into the darkness as hard as you can go. You've been running as hard and as fast as you can go into the darkness trying to escape the light. And you know what's crazy is that we try to run from God. And everywhere you go, every every place you try to hide, he's like, boo. He was already there. And you know what? His grace went before you. And he was there to meet you. Even when you ran from him. Even when you profaned his name. Listen to me. Even when you made fun of other people that were pursuing him. His love was there. His grace was there. To illuminate your life. So there, there are some people who maybe today you're standing in the light, man. You're, you're living and you're like, man, I'm, in, I'm, in the, I'm walking in the light of God. My, 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 my thing is though, I believe that all of us, at least part of, of our life, at least there's something in our life that we're holding back from him. We're not allowing the light of God to penetrate. And then there's some of us today who, you just say it, you admit it. I was at this place in my life where I'm in the darkness. If I died, I know where I'd go. I know where I'd spend eternity, separated from God, no doubt in my mind. I'm in darkness. A lot of us today know there are things that need to be brought into the light. 
things that need to be dealt with. Let me ask you this. If, if, you, if, you, if you brought it into the light and you, you were willing to live in the light of God, how would that change your relationships? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with, with, with your children. How would it change your marriage, your relationship with your spouse? If you live, really live selflessly instead of selfishly. How would it change your relationship with your, with your boss, with your coworkers? How would it affect every area of your life if you walked in the light of Christ, allowing God to transform you by his power? How would it change your life? It's the greatest opportunity. It's the greatest privilege we could ever possibly have that the God of glory who spoke light into darkness spoke light into our heart. That he illuminated who we are, who he is, showed us his grace and has offered to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and death. That is an awesome, awesome privilege that you and I have. And so today, here's my question for you. I want to ask you this. And this is the big question. Listen, if you dozed off, wake up. We had to cut the lights back on because I know you would have slept in. But here's the big question, guys. Listen to me. Are you walking in light or are you walking in darkness? Not compared to your friends, compared to God. The big question, guys, listen, 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 listen. Are you walking in light illuminated by Christ? Are you walking in darkness? See, for a lot of people, this is how your life is. Walking in darkness. For some of you, you've never walked into the light. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. You've never allowed God's light to shine on you. And, and so you, you, you know good and well today that you're in darkness. And, and, and that, is, that is the destination eternally, that I would be separated from God. And there are some people in here today who you know there's an area of my life that if God doesn't shine his light on soon, there's going to be major consequences. There are some of you in here today who you know that I need to deal with this right now. I need to let God's light shine on my life. There are things in my life that are not honoring to God. God is pushing on those things and he is drawing me into the light. Whether you're here today and you've never walked into the light, you've never had a relationship with God through Jesus and you have been separated from him but today God is drawing you into the light whether you're in that place or you're in a place where you know today that God is wanting to illuminate something in your heart he's, he, there's something he's pushing on he's pressing on and he's calling you right now to a place of giving it to him Whichever place you're in, this is what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to count to three. And today, your desire is to walk into the light. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. It's dark. On the count of three, you you know today I need to walk into the light. I'm going to ask you to stay right where you are. Just just listen. Two minutes, we're out of here. But this is a serious. This is a serious time. This is eternal. 
right where you are right now, when I count to three, you're coming into the light today. You want to walk into the light. You want to follow Christ, be pursuing him. On the count of three, I want you to just stand to your feet. One, two, three. Just stand up right where you are. You know you need to walk into the light. Stand up. Listen, if this is your first time that you, you're saying, this is a commitment to Jesus I've never made before. This is a commitment to walk in the light that I, I, this would be my salvation moment when Jesus saves me from eternal separation from God. What I want you to do right now is I want you to just put your hand up in the air. I want you to hold it there. If this is your sal- a moment of salvation for you, you've never trusted Jesus for that before in your life to bring you to God, raise your hand right now. Just get your hand in the air, hold it up, Hi, we're, if you got to prop your arm up, whatever it is. Now listen to me, this is what we're going to do. In a moment, you're serious about this. In a moment, we're going to turn the lights back on. And in that moment, this church is going to celebrate your decision like crazy. We're going to celebrate the decision that you've made. And when those lights come on, it is a tangible expression of a spiritual reality that you're going from darkness to light, from death to life. Either in your whole life, in an area of your life, whatever it is you're dealing with. I'm gonna count to three. You remain standing. If you're serious about it, you remain standing. One, two, three. Amen. Listen to me. If you raise, you raise your hand today for salvation, will you put your hand up? Just stick your hand up for salvation. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to pray for, for all of these folks standing. Pray for you. Listen, while I'm praying, those of you who raise your hand, will you just step over outside, just walk right through those exit doors. There's going to be some prayer folks just to talk with you. We just want to help you know your next steps. It won't take but about two, three, four minutes. But if you'll walk out there while we're praying, just walk out. They're going to share with you. They want to talk to you, help you take your next steps because we don't see salvation as the end. We see it as the beginning of a new journey. We want to walk that out with you. Let's pray.